Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer Bourbon in a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. And I need everything. Well, you glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 34. This weekend, folks, we're going to celebrate Alex and his favorite movies. We're going to talk about The Fury and Hunt for the Wilder People. Wilder People. Wilder People. It's just called Fury and Hunt for the Wilder People. (laughs) Whatever it's called. Tawana, what are we sipping tonight? Well, um, in honor of Alex, yeah. I asked him what what might he like to drink. That's right. I uh, have an opinion. He told me to, you always do. <laughs> he told me to grab something heavy German. A uh, heavy German Weiss. Heavy yeah. German Weiss. Mm. <laughs> I, can't Großer. I can't do that as good as you do. Großer Deutscher Weiss. <laughs> so I went looking uh, at my... Uh, I guess it's local. <laughs> local uh, spot. There's a space called um, Urban Barley, and it's over on 33rd and 6th. You telling me? Yeah, 33rd and 6th. It's like thirty between 34th and 33rd um, and 6th. Really unassuming. Okay. You wouldn't know. You'd walk right by it, but they got some bangers. Nice. And they know what they're talking about. So, And this is not the first time I've mentioned them. So, anyway... And they had the Schneiderweiss Aventinus. Yes, nice. exactly. It's 8.2% yes. Doppelbach banger. I want to taste Heavy, taste heavy, heavy. This Doppelbach will put you on your double back. Yeah, well, it's heavy. It's very heavy. But it's 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 tasty. It's, tasty. it's very tasty. So the deal with it is, is like, well, like it's it. very rich, yeah. complex delight from Bavaria. Bel- wow. Oldest wheat beer brewery in the country there. It's carefully selected ingredients, skillful fermentation in open vessels as well as fermentation and maturation in the bottle guarantees this distinctive like uh, taste yeah. of authentic wheat ale. It's like it's very oh stop it. It's very <laughs> She's reading the label, by the I'm way. I am reading the label. Because how am I gonna get that? <laughs> I don't know all those things came from there. Yo, but dog taste. What good. I will say that is it's very dark. It's mm. very rich. It's got and a it's nice, dark like me. And there I you like go. the taste of it's it. It's got a nice little furriness to it. Mm-hmm. It's got this malted richness. This aroma. It's very indulgent. I mean you you, you eat this with like roast, dark roast, yep. uh, chocolate, dark yeah. chocolate, sweet, oh, that'd be rustic cool. that'd be deal. Cool. Yeah, like a roasted potato. And, and I feel like a, there's beef. a berry flavor in it. Oh yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot there's a lot of little like um blends in it. Yeah, there's I feel, a malted I feel barley sure. and uh along with the wheat malt. I mean, I'm ready to fucking swing an axe into a into a fucking Roman. I mean, this, right now, I feel nice, like nice. we we would eat Something we just roasted over a spit. Yeah. Oh. I, like <laughs> I feel like, that too. You're just going to eat it off the bone. Yeah. And I you stab you. some potatoes, whatever yeah. root vegetable. Nice. I'm with you on that. <sighs> just yeah. stab them like fucking Brad Pitt stabbed that German yes. in the beginning of Fury. Yeah. Well, so, right. 
<laughs> I, I needed to go a little old school, and I had to have some Jim Beam today because I'm I'm really feeling some Jim Beam today, and I'm mixing it with cola because I I needed some some cherry flavored richness in bourbon because after our last episode where I wasn't happy with the taste <laughs> I, I I needed to bring it back a little bit right. Jim Bream is bringing me home so in celebration of Alex and in his birthday right we love you Alex happy thank birthday you. to you so in celebration of my birthday you yes. got a drink that I don't like so thank you very much Vaughn. I don't I don't I don't care if you like I told it. him I like in cel- <laughs> so back, you said Jack and Jack I said and Coke. I said Jack I don't and Coke. like I, Jack Daniels, dude. Film fans. Film fans. Because we're doing a New Zealand film, and Jack and Coke is film fans. That's a fucking drink back home. Film fans, let me just help you out. I personally do not like Jack Daniels, so you don't like Jack. I am never going to drink Jack Daniels. I'm never going to drink it, but I'm going to drink a drink that I like, and I all my go-to bourbon. If I don't want to spend a whole bunch of money on some damn bourbon, I'm going to drink Jim Beam. Jim Beam. So in honor of you, Alex, yeah. and, and all of the things that I love about you. I mean, Beam, and, and Beam and Coke is, is not unpopular back home. I don't. Still, Jack, I'm good. Sure. I'm good with <laughs> homes. Jack, I'm celebrating. Jack and, Jack I'm, and Coke's pretty big I'm here, celebrating too. you. I do not like Jack Daniels because I don't like that sour mash taste. Mm. But I do like some Jim Beam. So... I will celebrate you all day. This is a classic some, beverage Jim Beam. Yes. to take down some not so classic films. I appreciate. That. No, but they, they no, they but you know classic. what? There are some actually classics. I feel here. like the Willow they people pretty, was definitely and, classic. And I'm so glad that you, you exposed us to them. And, like and we're stepping yes, away definitely. a little bit. We're stepping a little away a little bit from, you know, the films that are on the screens right now mm-hmm. because I think that as podcast people, you know, we need to expose the audience to. Other kinds of films and other ways of, of seeing films. Classics. I like exposing and, people to. And I, I'm glad that we did this. Explosive. To I, expose people to these kinds of films explosive. because it's I don't know explosive. if everybody would have seen them. Explosive. This is explosive. Well, I've nearly finished an eight percent beer and I hate fucking fucking Vaughn yeah, is a third of the way through that bottle. So a just a third, third of, of the, the way. way. Just a third of the way. I'm having fun. Having fun. Oh, we're always having fun because we're well, look, guys, funk the P funk. Yeah. Bring it, Alex. I was playing some... Should, I, should we put it on for 30 seconds? Mm-hmm. I feel like we should. We can do that. You can do 30 seconds. I can do... Yeah, I can do... Because we've been listening to Parliament and Funkadelic today, folks. Oh, yeah. I know. Because it is... It, if so everyone, it is my birthday. And we mentioned this in the last podcast. Um, we did choose Fury. I chose Fury. It's yes. one of my favorite films. It's one that I've actually been quite interested in breaking down for a minute. Because nice. it is... It's a tank film. I love war films. I grew up watching war films with my dad. Um, and yes, it is war porn. I mean, you, you can you can have a moral argument against such such cinema, but yeah. uh, there's something that really that yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, and there's there's a there's a, a level of humanity that comes out. There's sort of seeing people at their most primal and how they right. handle those right. scenarios. If I have to intellectualize it, then uh, it is. If it, there's so much to get from this, and I think when you oh, have definitely. great actors that can that can step into those roles. And you can see someone be so animalistic, and and I mean, I've just been reading a book on uh, the Second Battle of Fallujah, and it's called My Door to Door God. by Staff Sergeant. Uh, really Cameron's like first name, uh, Belavia, was his last name, <laughs> and it is like it is just gripping the kind of shit that 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 these guys go through in these scenarios and how they deal right. with it, and that's so much with Fury. That's what you see in this film, and you could yeah. not ask for a better cast to handle talking yeah. through these topics. No, you 
and watching these this raft of emotions come out. Yeah, I, I really, uh, and once again, I, I have to thank you for making me revisit the Fury and, and the film itself because I'm not a, 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 fa- a fan of war movies, but I really enjoyed this film because it, to me it was almost like a coming-of-age film for the, for the young soldier. For the soldier. young soldier, Norman, yeah. And, and he just, the, the whole cast just brought so much to this. I love John Barenthal and his, all his craziness from his yes. role on, on uh, Walking Dead Walking and Dead. Shane Punisher. to his role in The Punisher. I think he, he always brings it. Uh, Michael yeah, Pena, outstanding. Brad Pitt, he had this father figure role in the film that I thought was great. Shia LaBeouf, very understated but pivotal to this film. There yeah, were just so really many good. moments. There were so many moments in this, and 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 the fact that they were one in this tank and kind of trapped in this tank. So your your performances were were spot on right, right. in in every frame, and it was just like wow, and just getting the Norman to understand you're not back at home. You're not just a war correspondent. You're actually living in, in the space of war, and you have to do what you have to do to survive. And they taught him that. And, and Barenthal's character was really the the catalyst for him to understand how to survive. Because I don't know if he would if he didn't have the experiences of, of crazy Barenthal's character to understand. I don't know if he would have survived it. Right. Without that, because it, so. it pushed him to that next level. Right. Because he didn't know how to kill. He didn't want to kill. He was just in a, in a different kind of place. But, you know, it was just something about about the movie in general. And, and it kept you in these tight spaces and in, 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 in small moments. And, and there were just so many scenes where it's like, wow, they're really they're really bringing it forward. And 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 I I've seen this movie on the big screen, but just to have to watch it again in celebration of Alex, I, I was, I'm so thankful that we got to do this because it's it's important to have these moments, you know. No, I mean I mean just just to backpedal a little bit to explain to the listeners. Sorry, Tawana's trying to open my beer for me, and uh, and Tawana tried, normally cr- does the synopsis, it. and she didn't do that she, this time. She cracked it on the uh, on the door. But that's okay. It's what? enough for me to work with. Alex is in. No, I can drop the synopsis. I can drop the synopsis. I'm just got. Oh, here we go. We got. We're so busy opening bottles, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Pop, popping beer, bourbon bo- in the movie. Popping bottles. That's as, right. Uh, as is said. In uh, common parlance. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the synopsis on this film. So we have a tank crew uh, rolling through Germany. So uh, this is 1944. Um, I don't know. It's definitely not summer. I think they're heading into late 44. Obviously, the, the D-Day landings yeah. um, were in June. So I think they're a few months. Obviously, they're in Germany. So they're heading into the winter. And it's, right. it's definitely muddy and it's grim. Mm-hmm. Um, but this tank crew, which is made up of uh, Brad Pitt, uh, Bernthal, Pena, and uh, Shia LaBeouf, they lose their um, they lose their their Ford Gunner. Mm-hmm. It's on a thirty cal, so it's next to the driver, and he uh, and so basically to, to replace this guy, this this kid who's a clerk typist, just gets plucked off a truck, right. and they pretty much say like, "Hey, you're it, dude!" Like they just grabs any anyone that came off the truck, they just grab this kid, which is which is crazy, but I'm sure that that kind of random unfortunate shit befell on people and he he was Absolutely. not he's all only, the time he, he was Absolutely. not in the military for a long time he literally says to to, to pet i've only been in the army for eight weeks right. 
Um, he has no combat experience. He has no combat training. Um, he was literally just meant to type reports and keep the paperwork moving. Like, right. So, I mean, the, I, I couldn't imagine something even more terrifying than, than I mean, A, being sent there in the first place with that amount of training. Right. Um, and then B, being all of a sudden put into a frontline combat position. Yeah, because he was totally fish out of water. Complete fish out of water. Yeah. So while they're going through Germany, they pick up this kid. Um, and it's really sort of the journey of us understanding who this tank crew is and the kind of shit that they've gone through. Um, seeing sort of the, the darker side of war, the dark side of combat, there is absolutely nothing. This is probably one of the, the realest, darkest war films I've seen in, in quite some time. I mean, the opening scene is a, is a pretty pretty dark uh, post-battle scene, pretty, pretty apocalyptic um, scenario. Right. And a German officer comes cruising through on a horse and Brad Pitt, with, within two seconds, leaps on him. Right. Um, sort of behind the tank um, and stabs him in the face. And that's how you're introduced to the film. So, yes. And you, just, you see body parts flying. <laughs> uh, th- there's almost no fanfare about death, which is interesting. Oh, least. no. It, that, was, that was all stripped away, and I think that was the point of it. But the, what, what works best for this film is the fact that with all of that going on, you can right. have those human moments. Right. Yeah. And and that's what sold this movie because it, it really wasn't about the carnage and the death of war. It was about those moments where they became a community, a family as as the troops within the tank and, and trying to associate with themselves as as a team. And that's what you that's what I felt in the movie. That's what I got from it because Brad kind of in his role as the father figure, he kind of anchored the team. Because right. you had all these wild cards. You had Barenthal, who was crazy as fuck. You had Michael Pena. You had Michael Pena and his trying to be understood and, and, and hit, bringing his culture into it because he was Latino. Yeah, and, and then you had and then you had um, Shia LaBeouf. And then you had and the, the young. Right. And he the, did a lot of. I felt like he was the preacher, was in, the preacher. in the whole thing. He did a lot of preaching. So it was, there, was these, there was so many different elements at play here but this is what happens when one when you have a group of uh, of team members of friends of right. associates where you all have to work together to achieve a common goal well it's essentially a family i mean Absolutely. in fact brad pitt's uh, name in the movie is don war daddy right collier mm-hmm. <laughs> so there was there was this it probably was, one of the best fucking yeah, absolutely. combat names I could imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, just, just trying to survive combat, because I know, you know, we have soldiers out there right now in, in different battles across the world, and and I know they're going through a whole lot of the same things, because, granted, this was World War II, but the right. same thing could be said about right now. Right. I'm sorry, that's my phone. I do have it on Do Not Answer, but I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Great. But it's Alex's birthday, so we're gonna allow him to have those moments. Because <laughs> I have it on Do Not Disturb. Mode, everybody's still... trying to connect with Alex tonight to celebrate him, and so. But like I said, I, I really, I and I really enjoyed this film. And I'm not, a, I'm not a war movie buff, but I, I definitely enjoyed the fact that we got to sit in these moments with these characters and experience what they experienced. And it was just like there was that one scene at the at the table with those women when they went into the yes, house when they. 
when they he and Norman went into the house and they sit down to eat. Yeah, they they, they had they a whole feeding them. They had a whole dinner with these women and they were you know it was just and it was delicate and civilized until and, until <laughs> Barenthal and the rest of the crew Barenthal, came rolling whose in. Whose name I don't care for, but. Whatever. What was his name in the film? Grady Coon Ass Travis. Got it. And he was. Yeah, not so much. You know what? But you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying because it. Because you know what? <laughs> John like Barenthal. I feel like they said. Um, I feel like they said his name was Grady a lot. I don't think they added that. Grady. Grady. But you know, the thing was, yeah. I feel like he right? came from the South. You know, he said, he said, you from Missouri? Yeah, I felt to Norman. You know, I felt like he was from Mm -hmm. like either the Midwest or down south somewhere. He brought all of those elements to the film. Oh, for sure. And it was just a, you know what? He's a consummate actor. In 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 several films that he's been in and television shows, from The Walking Dead to The Punisher, he's he's this guy. Right. And and you know, and and he's taken something where he could have been typecast. And a lot of different things, and he's turned it on his head but also, because he owns every role. He does a lot of different stuff. Though. Yeah, like he's in that. Um, he must be in that new Widows movie as well. But anyway, so he was in like Baby Driver, Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, he's been in a few films. What was the film he was in? A oh, Wind River. Wind River. He That's what I was going to say. This character. He was not this character. He was but actually he, lovable. Yes, and he was he was actually victimized he in that movie. He was victimized. But in he that still movie. came out as you know, he's he was still, still always burnt off. Yeah, he's still the hero in a in a weird way yeah, and, and the tragic he's the kind tragic of an victim. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's always anti hero. And he was anti hero in that film. Yeah. And I think that he, that's he's found his, his place in Hollywood and, and he works it in, in, in and I just watched last week and when he was in The Walking Dead, there was some flashback scenes and some, oh, some scenes. He was in The Walking Dead this this last episode. New? Rick's, new? Yeah, it was the new one where Rick no, was... No, but new scenes? Yes, it was new scenes. Oh, good for him. He was, he was, they brought him back. Wow. Because he's pivotal in, in, in Rick's transformation. He is, he is. And, and they brought him back for that. And I was like, this is perfect. It was perfect. That's the good. scene was perfect. And he, and he brought that thing because he is always that guy because he literally is every man. And he becomes every man in every scene. And you know... He, what he was trying to communicate to the young soldier, Norman, right. was that in order for you to survive in this element, you cannot get caught up in your emotions, your love, right. your fantasy of what war is, yeah, your associate. He, he pulled that guy back, yeah. and he tried to keep him alive in that way. Mm-hmm. He was the antithesis of how Brad Pitt was. Right. Brad Pitt was more father figure type, but he was, this is the real world, this is reality, people are going to die, right? and you have to face that. He taught that, that young man the same thing, but just in a different way. Right. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he was just, he, he was the, the, the animalistic kind of bare bones. He, he was the classic soldier who, um, if left to his own devices, would do pretty horrific things. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but with proper guidance, would do horrific things in a sanction for format. For a cause. Right. For a cause, right? <laughs> right. Um, and you actually need that guy. You yeah. need that guy in your You trip. do, because not everyone can do what he does. So, you know, as we sort of dive into this movie, I just wanted to run through a few things for the audience to give them some context Please about do. this film and this kind of combat, right? 
So, I mean, as, as far as a few little interesting sort of th- tidbits that come from the film, um, one thing is this cast of actors really seemed to feel connected. Like that mm-hmm. was a, it, it didn't feel like, like, it. like I, like they, they, when they said that they've been fighting since Africa, right? right. North Africa. Yeah. Um, where the Americans suffered horrific losses because it was their first taste of combat in World War II. Right. The Brits had been at it for a long time. My granddad was in Monty's army and in, in, in Tobruk and all these Al Alamein and those places. But right. the Americans basically stood up an army that they hadn't stood up for, for 20 years since right. World War One and threw them into Kasserine Pass was one of the first battles. And they just absolutely got slaughtered by by Rommel's uh, Africa Corps. So if they were to survive those engagements, these are some combat veterans. And I really felt like, for me, who sort of understands the history, um, these guys felt hard as fuck, man. Like, right, I mean, right. Brad Pitt, like they call him War Daddy. Yeah. He felt like a War Daddy. He felt like a War Daddy. He did. Oh, like, yeah. He had these kind of healed scars all over his face all over him right um all the same guys did i mean you could see it in, in the scene that you referenced before right. where um you know they they try to sit down for a nice dinner it's just brad pitt and norman the new right. guy um the other guys when they realize they've been kind of left out of this polite engagement yes. they feel like really hurt right yeah. because they, of that because they come they're in like a like a bull in a china show yeah and and they and they recount that hurt by sort of recounting the like just the horrific horrific shit they've, shit they've done right but that was that was the beauty of the scene and they brought all of that to it in in dialogue well that was their way of like throwing a little shit on your white tablecloth oh yeah you know, they just... oh yeah so a few things um shia labeouf being the method actor that he is uh, every cut and bruise you see on his face is real that's awesome he would get and into scary. fights yeah he would get into <laughs> fights he would he would deliberately get into fights with the cast and crew, uh, or he would just bash his face against the tank right. to, to make himself. And, and as the preacher-like character who had some form of a moral code, right. yet sort of also really enjoyed the killing, or at least enjoyed trying to keep his buddies alive, right? Right. right. Um, so that was, yeah, that was quite amazing. Um, do you remember that the that Brad Pitt's character, how he speaks German? So Brad yes. Pitt speaks German, right? Yeah, I remember. Now, this is really interesting. So Brad Pitt... He's obviously we know he's fifty. In the film, you could put him. You could probably put him in his mid forties, being like a yes. war torn veteran. He's right. kind of visually aged a little bit. So, someone that old at that time, um, that would make him a World War One veteran if he's really got the experience and the scars mm-hmm. to right. show for it, right? Because sure. he would have been like a he would have been nineteen twenty when uh, World War One was around. So one little thing they did in the film to nod to that was the sidearm he carries, which is that big fucking right, revolver. Right, right. right. It's that revolver with the pearl handle. Massive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that weapon is actually a Smith & Wesson 1917 revolver, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So at that time, the in World War One, the 1911 45 caliber, that was, the, that was the weapon that was... And even soldiers today still carry that weapon. It's just really fucking big. But what was fascinating was... That weapon in particular was distributed to uh, not rear echelon, but not frontline troops. Okay. Right. So it sort of indicated that because the 1911 was needed for frontline troops because it was a higher capacity magazine, it wasn't a revolver. Um, it was just the if that was a weapon for someone for someone of his age and his profession, that is the exact type of sidearm that he would right. carry. So it kind of okay. gives this nod to the fact that he either knows German because. 
he served in World War One, um, or he has a family member. Now there is a cut scene. There's a deleted scene where they're driving past that town and he explains to Norman, hey, this whole town's on. That's what an entire city looks like on fire. Yeah, yeah. There's a deleted scene while they're driving in, in that kind of travel sequence where he says that his mother comes from a town, not that city, but another town that they pass by, which is right. burning. Now, they right. cut that scene because they wanted the, the gravitas of an entire city burning and they didn't want like, oh, a town burning. I'm German. Now there's a city burning. Well, you know, I felt right, like there right. had they, to they be. They obviously cut one of those. There had to up. be some element in in some foundation of him actually because he knew German so fluently. Yeah, I felt like he was connected to it in some kind of way, and 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 because people in America, despite what Trump says, we're all descendants of immigrants, and so Absolutely. and so because of that. I felt like that that was the connection and, yeah. and that was the build they were trying to do, but they didn't wanna they didn't wanna oversell it in the film. Yeah. But that is the point. We're we're all descendants of immigrants from somewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And and that's where Brad Pitt was. And I mean, you know, and, it, and that's what brought he brought some he brought some levity and some foundation to the film mm-hmm. in, in that way. Because you knew there was more than just this this experience of these soldiers because we're the soldiers were coming from everywhere, and that's what I loved about the film because the soldiers were coming from everywhere. You had Michael Pena who was Hispanic. Mm-hmm. You had you know you had Shia LaBeouf. You had this young this young guy. You had Barenthal. There were so many different elements at play here because that's what America is. We're we're a melting pot of all these different cultures and people, right. but we're we're put in this situation because now they're in Germany fighting this war and and you see that when they fight that ss division mm-hmm. um and when you see i i loved how filthy they made the soldiers yeah yeah every Completely. scene and you know what, an actor always that we, dirty an actor that we didn't mention was uh they, they refer to him as the old man and i imagine he's like the major or the colonel that that runs their the second armored division He's that very famous actor um, who was the, you know, whenever he goes in to speak to, like, the officer to give him his orders. Mm. Is that that Captain? Actor? Was Cap- he a captain? Captain Wagner? Wagner? Was it Jason Isaacs? I think it was Jason Isaacs, yeah. Yeah, He's British, a British actor. British actor, yeah, 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 yeah. Jason Isaacs. Yeah, so Jason Isaacs. Mm-hmm. So, he's, so if he's a captain, he's the company commander. Right. Um, but he, I mean, every, like... He was filthy. He had scars all over his face. Oh yeah. Every time they picked and his up role, soldiers, his role was more subdued. But you're right. You're right. He was always there. Mm-hmm. Right, because they and, had several sergeants. Yeah, yeah. So you don't really see that the one officer they had other than that, and this is sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. The the one officer they had other than that was that like young, fresh faced kid, right? Who sort of like tries to act like a military officer. Um, and he gets smoked by some kids with a Panzerfaust, which is like a an RPG from right, a German RPG right. from that day. Um, and you can sort of see it on on. Um, but yeah, that that was a horrible fucking death. That was just sort of these kids come up in the bushes, hurl an RPG into the side of their tank. Right. The dude just burns alive yeah, and blows his brains right. out. Like I mean, that was I like I thought something was going to happen. In that scene, because you never but have you some, didn't expect that. But like, but like this, like it was just so. And because the kid, the Norman wasn't willing to pull the trigger on those kids in the bushes, right? And so then Pitt does it, and Pitt gets out, and he sees a bunch of fucking nine and eleven year olds. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the whole point. Just of smoked. letting him know this is your fault. 
had you handled this, yeah, this would not have happened. Look at what kids can do. Yeah, this even right. kids look at weapon. what children can do. Right. Yeah, and I and I know our our soldiers face that on a daily basis in in Afghanistan and Iraq. Because yeah, those East. wars are still going on, by yep. the way. So let's be clear about that. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know the beauty of it was it, and I was I was talking to Tawana before we started recording. This movie felt a whole lot like a music video because of the, the cuts and, and the how cuts. they placed it. But it, we still were allowed to have those moments where we had the conversation and the interaction between well, the, yeah. there between were a the lot crew. Of moments. But mm-hmm. the, it, the cuts helped us move through the story. Absolutely. And, and I know as, as film viewers and just watching this, we couldn't have... Like it, this could not have been a Spielberg film because it would have just been overwrought and too <laughs> long and and just too much. But I think that he, he would want some like overarching, uplifting. Yes, yes. and and we didn't really on. need that. We yeah. didn't really need that because really, if you think about it, we only had one survivor in yeah. this whole as, as this movie ended. And 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 I kept thinking as I watched it because I was like, and I've seen this before, but I was like, as I watched it, it was like, well. Who's gonna tell the story? Because in order right. for us to have this story, you needed someone to survive in the end. But of it, as the movie progressed, people were getting killed off, and I was like, okay, well, how is this gonna end? Mm. And I, I knew it, and I knew it just because I've seen it before. Right. But I was like, as I was thinking about it from a filmmaking perspective, I was like, who's gonna be left to tell the story? And and it would have been very easy for them to kill off Norman. In the very beginning, because he was so mm. he was right. so naive and 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 just not ready right. for war, right. and a lot of young men who who went off to war back in those times were very young because they were a lot of a lot of them were in their teens when they went off to war, and they just could have easily been killed off. But I think it, there was something to be said about the fact that he survived this when all those war veterans. Spoiler. Yeah. It doesn't matter. This it's is an old, old movie. It's an old film. <laughs> they gotta find it. They gotta find it and look for it and watch it. But I mean, just think about it. It doesn't spoil it too much. <laughs> he was able to survive this in a way and to the tell way the story. He, and the way he did it was like uh, it felt a little serendipitous. Because it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't he wasn't perfect. a hero. It wasn't he, perfect at all. He hid and he he survived. Right. And there is nothing wrong with that because I'm sure there other people have the same kind of stories. And, and that was so, the beauty of it, I think. Yeah. And there's no shame of it because he had no training. Right. And he really did the best that he could with what he had. And his world sort of imploded. But there was something so poetic about the way it imploded. Mm-hmm. Just He had moments with almost all of them. In a sense. Mm-hmm. He had little bitty moments. Especially with uh, War Daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was very beautiful. It's really poetic. It's, it's amazingly poetic. I mean, and it's... The film touches so strongly on the desperation and the sadness of tank crews and tank warfare at that time because you got to remember that tanks only came around out of desperation in world war one where they were horrifically dangerous and horrifically difficult to operate and they sort of the french i think rolled out tanks on mass to sort of cover the trenches in world war one it was the big thing that broke the stalemate on the western front in world war two Obviously, they were extremely effective. The Germans did not forget the lessons that they felt against the French and British tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in those lines. And so they ended up really investing heavily. In, and that's where, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard of Blitzkrieg yeah. and the lightning war concept. So this idea of maneuver warfare that relied on armored, mechanized armored divisions. The, the Germans, I mean, they were the ones that got hammered by that in World War One, And so they learned those lessons and they developed incredible tanks like the Tiger One, which was is, is the only operational Tiger One in existence. And they got it for that film. Okay. It's a real one, a genuine Tiger oh, from nineteen forty. Yep, wow. from nineteen forty four. That's wow. pretty awesome. Now those Tigers, the Tiger One was only produced from forty two to forty four. The problems that German the Germans had, just like with modern German vehicles, is they're extremely over engineered and they're very difficult to produce on mass, right? Mm-hmm. So only 1,300 of the Tiger I was produced. They had the 88-millimeter anti-tank, anti-air cannon. The 88 was the most feared cannon that the, uh, the, the Allied forces came up against. These things were fucking everywhere. You could point them straight up in the sky and shoot flak out of them to take down aircraft, or you could point them straight ahead and you could just destroy absolutely anything that the Allies brought their way. Wow. So they took that cannon which is usually fixed mounted in position. They put that shit in a tank and put the most advanced armor and and engine you could imagine inside that shit. Okay. But they only produced 1,300 of them. Wow. So, you know, I was years. I was amazed by the combat in the first place because think about all those soldiers that were walking behind the tanks. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, you're just going to die because there was just no way. There was nowhere for them to hide. It was yeah. open field mm-hmm. or they were in the middle of a city. And, and it was just like, well, how are you going to survive this? There was no possible way. And, they and, didn't really have, like, they didn't really have any sort of protective there's, gear. There's right? no, there was no Not body like armor. Today, yeah, the gear no is different, armor. totally, completely. But even then, like, the, the kind of shit that those guys were, I mean, that, like, an MG 42, which is the German machine gun. Okay. I mean, that round, like, even today, a, a modern body armor would still have a hard time. Wow. Like, standing up to, like, that kind of machine gun round. Really? Depending on the type of round they used. Um, But you think about survivability of infantry soldiers, right? But you got to think about the survivability of the American tanks. Now, you remember that scene where the the Tiger tank kind of ambushes them and they had five tanks and all of a sudden the the tank in the back got taken out? Right. They reverse, they put smoke in his face, they back up. Now, this is what they were trying to do here. Those are brilliant scenes. Amazing scenes. Great combat scenes. I mean, I've never, I've seen, there's like tank battles and other films, but they're always very kind of, I don't know, you don't feel like you're fucking sitting in the tank. Right. Yeah. It was very immersive. They gave the, us all of that because you, you, you were, not only were you in there and feeling all the, the yeah, anxiety of that, yeah. but you were outside of it too. Yeah. And, and then just trying to figure out, well, how, how in the hell are they going to survive that? It was a big 360 experience. You know what I mean? It was just, it was so, I was like, they're not going to survive this. And every time, and, Every time, every time, I was like, "They're not gonna make this. They're just not gonna do it." And and things happen, and they in in situations they did. But I was like, "How is this?" You know, but there was. And then I just thought about all those soldiers that were outside of the tank while all these things were happening around yeah, them. Then I was around. It was it was very powerful to me. Well, I, I really it was just something special about this movie. You know, in that scene when that tiger takes out three tanks and mm-hmm. it's only at the very last second that they manage to get behind it right fury gets behind it and takes it out right yeah so while they were trying to recreate what tank warfare for american tanks was like it literally took four 
Sherman to take out one tiger. Wow. A, because they were mass-produced, so there were hundreds of thousands of those tanks made. The Germans only made 1,300 tigers, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that they even came across a tiger is extremely rare. Mm -hmm. Generally, they were coming up against panzers. Uh, There were a lot of German tanks that weren't that well-built that were mass-produced. So if you did come across a tiger, it was your bad fucking day, right? Oh, yeah. And there was a tiger too as well. And they would literally have to charge that tank, distract it. One tank would have to get behind it and shoot its armor in the back because the cannons that they had, the 75 millimeter, because you notice that Fury has a really long long cannon, right? Right. And the others had snub nose. No, that was the 75 millimeter is the snub nose, and the 76 millimeter, which is like a perfect three inches, that was the one that was on Fury. The thing that's factually incorrect about that battle is, A, a Tiger tank would never shoot the tank in the rear of a column. You'd shoot the one in the front of the column, especially the one that had a huge fucking gun on it. Right. Because the tank, the, the, the gun that Fury had, that was the only weapon that could actually pierce... The The tiger's armor, front on. Mm. For whatever reason, they still show Fury's Fury's rounds, like deflecting off it, which is not true. Fury would have been able to take it out, which is why that tiger should have shot Fury first. Instead, it shoots the tank in the back, which Mm -hmm. makes... The one in the rear makes no sense. You want to get the one in the front... That's the Hollywood drama of it all. But that's the Hollywood drama. That's like Fury. But however, the whole point of it taking four fucking Shermans... Right, to take out one tiger, that is correct. And they suffered staggering losses, especially when you think about how many people were in those vehicles. Five people in, five, five people in each tank. Right. And they were just being taken out. Boom, boom, boom. Every day you were having dozens of tanks taken out of commission. And, and nearly every dozens. single one of those tank crews die. You know? yeah. My granddad was a, a, an orderly in the Anzac Army, right? Australian New Zealand Army Corps. Uh, okay. And he was a North African. He served bomber crews for a while. And bomber crews had 12 to 15 guys in them. And they were being wow. shot down. They were being shot down like fucking crazy. So you get one bomber gets shot down, you lose 10 guys, right? Wow. But for tank crews, the survivability was horrific, you know? And, and that's the desperation you see. I mean, you see fucking tank come out. That one guy's head just explodes, gets taken clean off. The most scary sound in this film to me was when they're charging that tiger, or even when they're charging those fixed, the, the, the anti-tank guns that were in place yeah. in the hedge line, you hear a high-velocity round hit the side of the tank and fling off, right? Mm-hmm. And no one had ever... I've never seen a tank battle where you see the rounds that... you know Every time someone... It's, you'll just see puff of smoke for shoot for the round being shot, and then the tank goes... Poof, and puff and explodes, right? Right. But this like showed you the fucking rounds hitting and how they would deflect, and it had that wow. that, that that vibration whistling sound, and you just see how it it wasn't that easy to kill tanks. It wasn't just boom explode, right? Right, exactly. But you would hear these rounds just deflect, and then the rounds would miss the tank. But they would shred the soldiers that were standing behind them. Exactly. That's my point. And I was just like, There were so many soldiers that just died. The director is known for some very immersive Mm. films. Like he did End of Watch, Sabotage, Harsh Times, Street Kings, Training Day. All these things. 
So he brought those same elements into this movie. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you, it was very visceral. You felt every moment of it. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You definitely did. But that's what brought you so much closer to it. And it also allowed us to feel the angst that all the characters were feeling at the same time. Because mm-hmm. they were in the tanks and, 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 and fearing the same thing. And I love that scene with, with Brad Pitt and, and the young... Like, what is his name? Who? He's from Percy... Oh, yeah. What is his name? Yeah. He Percy, was Percy Jackson. Jackson. His name is Logan Lerman. He, he's, he's Percy Jackson. I love the scenes with him and Brad Pitt because there were so many special moments between them. Yeah, right. that, that moment where he talked about being, I'm afraid, and mm. Brad Pitt saying he was afraid too. Right. And for him to be in that same space, because it, it, they literally watched all of their comrades be, being killed off. Yeah, of and, course. And, and, and in that moment where, well, this is it. And, and Brad Pitt, at the end of that scene, said, well, you know, you can get out of here. Because it right. was like, you know, just to tell yeah. him where the escape hatch was. Pers- permission. Like, he said, I know this is you. You can do Stop. this. You right. can do this. Now, he didn't know what was going to happen after that happened. But right. the point was, Brad Pitt's character gave him that moment in, in the fear of it all right. to say, this is your out. This is your out. You're not you're not obligated to stay. You're not this war hero. Right. This is your out. And it, there was there was so much beauty in that. I, I sat I thought about that for a long time after watching. I was like, he could have they could have literally stayed in there and just died together. Mm-hmm. But Brad Pitt's character said, you know, this is what you need to do. Because at the end of the day, he was still trying to protect this young man. Yeah. Well, he and, was a and, war daddy. And he <laughs> It was so but it was so powerful, and it, it could have, it could have also definitely known as turned. Also leather daddy in Chelsea. That too. Right. I mean, I was implying. <laughs> right, but but there was it was it was a powerful moment, and right. I was like, wow, that scene alone, just that that little dialogue was so powerful mm-hmm. because he he let him know you're not the only one that's afraid. Yeah. But in the in mm-hmm. the fear, Brad. I'm still in charge here because you felt Brad Pitt was still in charge, and and there he was never really dropped his. He, he exactly he never dropped that a little bit at the dinner, but 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 still but 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 it was because of lunch. he needed to open up it to the women that were in the room. Well, he needed to protect them because they were walling. And he and he did all of that, and I, I, there was just so many moments in this film, and I, I and I'm like Alex once again. I'm so thankful that you let us. Explore these movies again because that's something that because first time I saw this movie I didn't I didn't feel the same I, I just watched it right. it was war porn it was a great war adventure you know it was a guy's movie yes it was and for me it was a coming of age movie for the young for the young Norman right in how he navigated this space of being thrust into this world that he didn't know anything about and trying to navigate that. As this guy, and you know what, what was striking to me was how they at the end of it, where they told him, "Well, you're the hero. You're a hero." He was so stunned in the fact they were calling him a hero. He was a survivor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the fact that the world now was going to call him a hero, he was trying to adapt to that. And I'm sure there were there are soldiers that come back from war and 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 try to navigate this space of For sure. I'm a survivor, but now I'm a hero. And how you have to live in the hero space. Because I don't know, a lot of them probably don't want to live in the hero space. No, I'm they just, sure they don't. They just want to be. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just want to be. And they all of a sudden, now, home. exactly, they just want to be home. They want to be in their lives. 
and and now all of a sudden they're heroes. So I think there was something very special about that. But and and, and this movie brought all that together. I agree. It, it it really yeah it really did. I mean it's it's such a again yeah like you were saying man. I mean I I saw this movie I liked it obviously it's on my list but but watching it again I thought like kind of underrated to be honest with definitely, you definitely People definitely people really underrated it, right. I mean, it made money at the box even, office. Even it with did the okay. actors that it had in it. Yeah, even with ex- exactly. But I mean, it, it's just a, it's a no frills, intense, cut you to the bone uh, film. But I mean, for me, it's a solid four out of five, if not a four point right. two. And you know, Tawana, as, as filmmakers, I think that it, it sits in the space of you know how when you have actors in a, in a one space. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the tank was that one space for all of them, and they got to live in that. And yeah, yes, it was, a, it was a big mezzanine scene. Definitely, for sure. And I, I think we got the performances that delivered on it, and I think that you felt something from it. Because for me, it didn't feel like war porn. It felt no. like a character-driven story. Mm. Agreed. It was very character-driven. I feel like they... Uh, in the guise, or rather the background of war, mm-hmm. was really what was happening at the foreground was the character development right. and what these people really go through as soldiers, as warriors, in a sense, um, doing these really hard, sort of horrific jobs. And uh, considering it's Veterans Day on Monday, God yes. bless. Shout out to all no, the it's veterans. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow, but it's, 11, obs- 11. it's observed, oh, observed in America yeah. on Monday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, happy Veterans Day. You guys deserve all the benefits you get. Thank you for your service. Fight- thank you for your service. You are fighting a cause that many would not. And the fact that you Absolutely. could stand in front of everything else when everyone else runs the other way. We salute you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on that note, love that film. Do we love the next film? Yes, we I do. I do. I'm so excited for one. Wait, wait. I have all our hearts for before that. Before we segue, yep. I just want to say, oh, I didn't know. I'm so impressed by you and all your little war knowledge. Oh, God. I don't oh. want to say little because little is demeaning. And all your <laughs> war knowledge. I'm quite impressed. I was listening like a fan. I was not paying attention to my part of this podcast. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, all right." So you know about guns? I mean, guns. I've got. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, I know a thing and or two. Tanks and infantry and all that. Yeah, I mean, you know, in my obviously my my grandfather on my father's side, uh, he was in World War Two. He was mm-hmm. an, an orderly in the medical corps, and he saw a lot of shit and a lot of action in uh, in North Africa, Greece, and in Europe. Um, and then on my mother's side, uh, my grandfather was actually, he was a little bit young to go uh, to fight in the war while it was active. Mm. However, um, he was drafted while it was still going on. And bef- the war ended before he got sent away. And he actually got put into something called the J-Force. Mm. And the J-Force was essentially an occupational kind of police military police force mm. that was like sent- what's happening in Afghanistan right now yeah but that's still kind of combat operations like no right. one there was no insurgency in Japan after the war right, right. so it would almost be uh, it would kind of be more like like when after Kosovo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the okay, Balkans you mm-hmm. know what I mean it's like the war had definitely stopped and you just had peacekeepers that was basically what he did so 
my parents, I mean, and this was always like a real point of pride in my family. And so it was, it was not spoken about a lot. Right. But, it, but I mean, all of my, my parents are very interested in history. And so these kinds of things would always be spoken around the dinner table. And as soon as I hit high school and they started teaching this kind of history, I was just just locked in and so interested right. by this kind of stuff. And then I've just sort of relentlessly done my own research. So I have... Naturally. Yes, yeah. you have. So I have a lot of my own sort of passion and interest around this kind of stuff. Um, and it's... it's But it's it, to me, it's so important. I wish more people kind of knew about how terrifying... And how horrific and, and, and actually understood. I mean, people always say, thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I sort of think, I, I look at a lot of the, the hawks that are around today sort of baying for war against so many people. And I just, right. I sort of right. sit there and think, but do you really? Right. You're, well, you're I, actually, it, you know what? Really it, know it, how, it, how, how terrible exactly. this is? Right. And you're, I think that, fighting that it, fight. it speaks to, others are. I felt the same way. And, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a war movie fan. And I, I spoke to you guys about it before because it reminds me of of members of my own family who mm. were lost to war, mm-hmm. very young in their lives, and I didn't even know them. I saw images of them and pictures of them in my young life before I even knew who they were. I just mm-hmm. saw them as soldiers, and then I have my own nephew who who served, you know, in in the in the first war in the nineties. And and I see the impact that it had on him and, and some other friends of mine. And I just want I, it 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 hurts me. War hurts me. War is not yeah. some situation that I celebrate. I I I honor and celebrate the soldiers who have survived it, and the ones who were lost. And and I know the impact that it has on their families. But I think that you know we really need to look at that. And you know we have we're in a situation we have a president who thinks that we can just throw people out there because he really doesn't care about them as individuals. He is a war porn president. He is war porn. He is war porn all day. He is bought into the, the, the mythics and the, the pay and the, and the, and the bullshit patriotism. Yeah. Right. right? It's not, and, and, and not to say that patriotism is bullshit, but there's like a, there's like a jingoism. Yes. Very much so. That, 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 that Trump seems to really hook into. And just how he, he, disingenuous because he's a fucking dodger. It's not real at all. He's an actual war dodger. And how he, exactly. And how he, he, he turns the, the, the protests against how blacks and other minorities are being treated by police when it comes to the football protests, to mm-hmm. some kind of disrespect to the veterans. Okay. And the veterans have come across. And the flag itself. That is not what this protest is about. And I, I, I just, it hurts me to see it every day because his supporters don't understand no. facts. They're very ignorant. And it, it's a difference. It's, it's very tragic because it's you had you had, you had men and women who have served in this country who have lost their lives for the for this country from all over the world exactly. because it's not just just American citizens but naturalized American citizens who have lost their lives and they're actually now being deported in right. this country After because because country. they don't we don't really understand that and I, and I wish we would really wake up and I'm thankful that you are opening it up in this podcast to share this experience because it's not just about 
what we think it is. It's about the reality of what these soldiers are going through. Absolutely. And and, and that's something that's important it's because and in their families, because you have a lot of families who are left behind trying to survive mm-hmm. while their their spouses are being in other in other places fighting a war that we don't necessarily have to be a part of, but we're stuck in because the Afghanistan war is still going on. The Iraq war is still going on. None of this stuff has stopped and it's still happening to this day. So I think that it's good to have this exploration and and it's good to talk about these things in the, in the guise of film, but in reality, families are still affected by all this. I mean, that was what I was thinking about in this, in this movie as well was, Guys like them who saw that much combat and right. that much action, even in the book I've been reading, Door to Door, where it's of, I mean, these are like the, the infantry division that, that the, the guys in that book belong to is, has been around since, you know, God knows how long, but at least until World War Two, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the classic edge, bleeding edge of the sword infantry division. And, and these guys are the ones that see all the shit all the time. Right. And you just think like the the first chapter of that book and the first scene of this film is just of absolute brutality. Right. right. Like, just absolute brutality. Like, you just... It is kill or be killed. Right. And these are, this is not some fantastical bullshit story where there's some happy ending. It's just, no, I fucking murdered those guys and now I have to figure out how to get on with my life. Right. right. And you know, the, the craziest thing about it, we've had a lot of shootings in America... In the last few weeks, the last shooter the last was years. an actual sh- soldier from the Afghanistan war. He killed a whole bunch of people in this nightclub. Mm. What is he going through? What was he going through? He was dealing with PTSD. Right, but our country doesn't focus on mental illness. <laughs> and I get a, that. This is a fact. And I Not get that. Not even in the people that... That fight for us. And like, I get that. In this argument, they do. It, in this they'll argument. focus on mental illness over guns. They'll do nothing to address right. mental well, well, illness. Right. Because that is, that is their scapegoat. That's the yeah. escape. That's and, the scapegoat. And, and this guy was mental ill, right. mentally ill. Yeah. It's not guns. Right. And the but tragedy. Yet, they refuse to. Right. And the tragedy of it is he illness. used guns to kill these people. Mm-hmm. But the tra- what we need to realize is that. Our soldiers are coming back yeah. with yeah, all of this, and, hurt. and, and we don't want it. To be healed. We're not trying to deal with that. No, we're just we're just gonna we're gonna make him the villain. He's gonna be the evil, right? In this in this scenario, right. and I and I once again, I, I I'm sorry for all the the families and the victims of all this tragedy, but he was also a victim of the tragedy. And in the, what he had to deal with, what he had to experience, he is that young guy in the tank. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? And he was a gunner, wasn't he? You know, gunner? it's just like, how do you... He was a Marine. I don't know what his profession he was. was. Right. They said something about him being a gunner. But the whole thing is, he is a victim of all of this. Right. As we talk about it, and, and film is one of those things that explores you to all of these kind of lifestyles. And I think that it's, it's one thing to appreciate, and I'm glad, Alex, once again... That you brought this up and, and wanted us to talk about these kind of movies because it's important to see it. Because I think we live in our day to day lives and we're also shook by the tragedies that happen. But there's there's a cause and effect for everything that happens, and and, and filmmaking and television and media reflects real life. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those cases where it does. Absolutely. 
Well, look, I think we could, I think we could keep piling in on this on this subject, but we do need to move along. Yes, yes we do. Um, so, all right. Fun movie. Hunt Fun for movie. the wilder people. Hunt for the wilder people. Now, if any of you speak at all, other than when I ask you to, I'll be very upset. Because uh, this is my shit. This, this is, is my shit. shit. Do shit. it. My Do culture it. is not a costume. You cannot fucking run over me. Can I wear it? Come on, can <laughs> I wear it? You're so American now. I can know. I wear it? Do it. I know. I was, <laughs> Do it. Make it happen. Can oh we can we talk God. about it a little bit? I'm ready for it. Yeah, so let's do this. So let's talk about the hunt for the wilder people. Right. Hell yeah. I'm all about this right now. So much fun. I love this movie. So I loved it. It's a national manhunt is ordered for a rebellious kid and his first uncle who go missing in the wild New England. I'm New Zealand bush. New yes. England. Fuck. So I mean, I'm slipping all over I mean, I'm drinking. It is a Freudian slip. Yeah, it is. Speaking of drinking, Vaughn, you want to pull out that whiskey in that cup? I was going to say, that's why I gave you two oh, glasses I got of you. ice. I got you, bro. I got, got me, you. Because <laughs> you you 50% done on that bad boy. That's not 50. <laughs> and I feel like you that's need... That's an easy 60, 70. And, then, and I was like, I can help you get to 60% done. <laughs> you going to give me your glass? Have some, brother. Have okay. some. Okay, let me sip on this. All right, so Kiwi film, young boy in the in the in the child welfare system mm-hmm. gets sent to uh, gets sent to a couple who live in the bush. Yes. Right. In this case, this bush was sort of west of Auckland, the Waitakere Ranges. You would uh, know that. I would. <laughs> however, however, um, later in the film, they sort of end up. On this sort of rather volcanic-looking plateau, right, right. Uh, which is right down in the central North Island, mm-hmm. uh, and there's no way they hiked all the way from Auckland down to the central plateau. Um, so I think that's, what they're that's because you know that. Yeah, we yes. would never How, know. Most that. most film film viewers would not know that. However, so what I'm thinking is that they want it to take place in like the cent- the center of the North Island, which is very volcanic. I mean, there's a lot of good bush down there as well as that volcano. Anyway, okay. kid ends up down there. Uh, with that couple, really connects with the, the 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 wife, the mother. She's not really the mother, but I guess yeah, the the female figure. The foster mother. Uh, her fa- his first his foster mother. Um, foster auntie. Foster auntie, and there's Sam Neil who plays the uncle. Heck. Heck, yeah, for Hector. <laughs> um, and he sort of isn't quite as close to Hector. Mm-mm. Um, but then, obviously, and this is not a spoiler alert, but the uh, the mother, auntie, dies, mm-hmm. and it's all about um, the two men, the two men, and the kid not wanting to get sent back to into other f- alternative foster care. True. So they run off into the bush, and hilarity ensues. Yeah, hilarity doesn't choose. It doesn't sue beforehand too. They were they were just <laughs> some good moments. They were just really. I I, I just loved. Everything about this movie. Yeah, I just really like this little adventure story of these sort of like poor misunderstood kid mm-hmm. and this unwilling poor misunderstood man, right? Yeah. They were like misfits together. And Sam they were Neil's like great. really like funny moments, like the whole like Ricky Baker birthday song, <laughs> which was awesome. Because after a while, I started singing "Happy that's Birthday, so, Ricky Baker." That's so Taika Waititi though. Oh that my! God. Di- so Taika Waititi, the director, he was the preacher. 
He was the preacher. That had that ridiculous. So when you go up into the land of the sky above and uh, (laughs) you see a bunch of doors. Right. Now, what door do you want to go through? (laughs) Is it a door that has all the Fanta, L&P, Burger Rings? Or is it the door that has hell behind it? Right. Which door do you want to choose? I'm going for hell. And then they go, do you know what's behind the door? And she said, Jesus. Some lady says, Jesus. And he goes, no, not that door. But the other door is, Jesus? Right, Jesus. So, like, how many doors? (laughs) It was so great. It was really great. I really liked it. Alex, thank you so much. I just just thought... It was a a joy. (laughs) Yeah. It was a joy. It was a joy to see, like, this sort of, like... First of all... Everyone's so fucking chill. Yeah. This <laughs> like, how much <laughs> weed did they smoke? I'm like, like are y'all smoking weed like, or y'all just this the, really the happy? The father of that girl. Oh my god, amazing. Uber chill. Amazing. And they were like, I got sausage. Right. So, 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 I, I have to lay some fucking groundwork. Please, for lay, the audience. please, please help. Me. I have to lay some groundwork before some some overarching cultural strategy before mm-hmm. we get into the tactics <laughs> of this motherfucker. Yes. So. I mean, so, okay. So the cast of this film, the director of this film, predominantly Maori. Maori's are native New Zealanders who have a, generally speaking, a wicked sense of humor. Oh, I'm sure. And, uh, I mean, for me, I grew up, I did not grow up in a, in a, in a massively diverse neighborhood. Okay. Um, however, the school I went to was pretty diverse. Um, and... I mean, Taika Waititi is, 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 for New Zealanders as a whole, he's been an, an absolute, I mean, he, he's really galvanized modern culture in a way in New Zealand that sort of sees the, the best parts of Maori culture uh, and how that is sort of intersected with modern European culture, right? right. That sort of dominant, obviously that's culturally dominated New Zealand. Right. And in all of his films, he does these beautiful nods where... You get to see, you really get to see Maori culture um, at its funniest, and right. in general, there it, it, it. I mean, I, my parents had a construction company, and mm. I'd work. I, I work for them as a steel fixer, as a welder in this company, and most right. of the guys that they employed were Maori. Right. And the one thing that I always took away from that experience was that every second of the day was about cracking a joke. Really. And having a laugh and having a good time. Oh, that's good. And you really see that come through in these films. And when you have these moments, like you said, uh, when Ricky is, is he's off in the bush with Sam Neill um, and he needs to get some help and he comes across um, what's described as like some bush people. Right. Um, and it's a Maori family that live in the bush. Right. Um, whether that was his intended sort of people to come across or not. But, I mean, they're just, they're awesome. All they want right. to do is help. They sort of have this sort of irreverent, they're, they're, they're super uh-huh. chill, they have this irreverent taking the piss attitude, yeah. right? Where he says, <laughs> Von's getting into the popcorn. Sorry. And he says, oh my God, there's a guy injured. We've got to get her help. Get the chopper, call the yeah. chopper. And she's like, yeah, she's on a horse, like, bareback. Okay. Uh, can you see the chopper, please? Oh, oh yeah, oh. this is uh, yeah, this is Susie on the uh, on the hilltop. Uh, Such a send great that scene. chopper right now, and she's like, "Come on, you egg! <laughs> what Such do I look like? Scene. There's no chopper here. Get on the horse. We'll go go right. phone it in back home. You know, right, right. and and that is like 
that is New Zealand culture in a nutshell. Right. Like that whole scene of how she handled that situation. Right. And like the dad too. Yeah, absolutely. He just wanted selfies. And it made me want to be there. And he was like, you're my favorite person. <laughs> and I got sausage. Exactly. It made and me want to be there. That's it. And I was just like, do I want to eat sausage? Yes, it made me want to be there. So here's the thing is that sausages, obviously it's a very like British thing, right? Right. And back, but like obviously New Zealand's a British colony, right? And so you get these like super English things, right, are kind right, of right. staples. Of so he talks about like you know in the beginning when Ricky's obviously a pretty big kid, mm-hmm. and she's relentlessly you know teasing taking the him. teasing the shit out of him for being fat. It's like oh you look like you ate all the pies, right? And that's <laughs> a very that is a very common insult. Like it's right. a common way to take the piss out of something. You just say you ate all the hot dogs, you ate all the cheeseburgers, right. you ate all the pies. Because they're talking about meat pies, not right, fucking right. sweet pies. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you ate all the mince and cheese, steak and cheese, fucking right. whatever. Anyway. Because she's like, do, and, do you want to go And taking the piss out of something is a very British thing, by the way. Because <laughs> there was a lot of British English. Yeah. yeah. Or New Zealand English in this. It's, yeah, I mean, it's New Zealand English, but yeah. it obviously it, it derives. derives. And then when you English. see, like, the... When you see the Maori family... Uh, in particular, it's really just the 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 uh, the the, hus- the the father and daughter, right? Right. Um, but you, <laughs> I mean, I just loved how the he. So she says, "Where's your Where's your dad at?" And um, he says, "Oh, do you have your dad around?" And she says, "Oh, they're dead." And she says, "Nah, yeah. just kidding." Right. And, and she says, "Oh, he's at the war. He's watching the Warriors game." So the Warriors are actually a, a like a rugby team okay mm-hmm. but it's right. the it's a rugby league team so there's two different kinds of rugby okay i was okay. gonna say explain there's rugby union rugby league rugby union is what the national all blacks team play which is like the, the new zealand all blacks quite a famous team a lot of americans actually know about the all blacks okay now rugby league is much more like american football in okay. the way the rules are structured um it's a much Kind of like American football. It's a much more ruthless game. There's a lot more like just hitting. Right. It's just like fucking people up. So it's uh, very physical. It's extremely physical. physical. Like football, it's American like it's football. huge in Australia, but there's only the, in the professional league that exists for rugby league. Mm. There's only one New Zealand team. So in rugby union, New Zealand is like a world dominant force okay. but in the right. subset of rugby called league new zealand has one team australia has like nine teams okay. and Eng- england has a couple of teams but it's in australia it's fucking massive right, right. like rugby league is huge maori and polynesian people generally love fucking rugby league and they love the warriors because the warriors are kind of the scrappy like it's like everything that you want out of you want combat, like anything you want about like fucking people up. Right. And just like brutal, like it's about like mana. It's like how strong, how hard are you as a man? Right. Union is a little bit like there's too many fucking rules. It's a little pussy like. It's a little pussy like, like people complaining <laughs> about like the NFL. It's like American football. Having too many rules. League, there, it is like not like that, right? right. So anyway, basically. It's like the Football MMA with blood. of uh, yeah. It's the MMA. It's the serious. It's the MMA. So like a country dude like that. Like of right. course he's at the fucking Warriors game. Right, right, right. Like watching it. But he comes in, and the Warriors have been a pretty traditional team. Where like only in the last twenty years, like once they've made the finals, you know. Right. 
And I just love that he comes in, and this is a film that actually got a decent amount of international play. And, right. he, and he walks back in, and he's just like, oh, fucking warriors, mate. They'll be the end of me. They'll be the fucking end of me. You know, yeah. like he's complaining about it. They're like the Mets, dude. Right, like, right. They're never they're, gonna I was going to say, they're like the Mets or the Knicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they, they're never going to make out, you know. Right. And, and then the first thing he does is offer Ricky a fucking sausage. sausage. And I was just like, oh, my and God. And she offered him sausages, too. <laughs> yeah, she offered because like, you, you have pies and you have sausages, dude. Like, that is what you fucking have. It's, it's like, it's it's just, yeah. Everything about it is just, you'd be like, why are you offering him a sausage? Yeah, I was like, like how, how are we living off these sausages? <laughs> but sausages are fucking everywhere. Like, we don't call them brats. Right. They're, they are brats. They're not like hot dogs. You right. know what I mean? And like, I don't even hear Americans even say sausage. We don't say like sausage. I really, that's unless like we dog. unless we say it about breakfast. When we talk yeah. about breakfast, breakfast, we say sausage. sausage. That's when you hear about sausage. That's when you hear about sausage. But other than I'm that, so it's right a now, hot dog or it's a brat. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. one of the two in America. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's giving away sausages, which yeah gets referenced way too many times in the a fucking lot. film. But <laughs> yeah. it's just like 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 obviously Taika wanted to really ram that home. Right. Um, and I mean, oh my god! I mean the. If we're going to talk about slang for a minute, I mean, they use the term hottie. Right. I would, that was one of the things we were talking about before. Which is a hot water bottle. Right. She's like, oh, dear, I've got a hottie in the bed for you. What is that? Like, that's supposed to warm him? So, yeah, it's, it's basically yeah. a rubber bladder. Right. So, again, again, again this, well, I mean, film. we have them here. Yeah. So, so this, this comes back, again, this is like such a fucking cultural thing. Okay. Where electricity is so expensive. Okay. In New Zealand, because we do not allow nuclear power. Okay. So the only electricity we have is coal, and there's like literally one plant, natural gas, and renewable energy. Okay. Okay. So electri- your, your, your electricity bill back home, 300 bucks a month if you have a family. Wow. Oh which, is ho- which is horrendous, right? That's super high. Now it's 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 warm, but it's not. It still gets fucking cold. Like it still freezes. Like right. we're still hitting thirty three degrees on a winter's day, even in the far north. <laughs> you can't eat that. Vaughn on down, the fucking Vaughn. popcorn again, just dude. Put it down, I'm just gonna you turn your mic it. down. You savage. All right, Vaughn's <laughs> mic's off. Fuck you, dude. Um, All right, we can still hear that. <laughs> we can still hear Vaughn eating. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so so electricity is so expensive that even when it's freezing, Kiwis will still they just we've just developed like common methods of trying to stay warm, and one yeah. of them is taking a thick rubber bladder, filling it with boiling hot water. Right. You stick that shit in your bed, right. and it warms your bed up, okay. so that your bread's not freezing. Right. And then you get into the bed and then you kind of like cuddle it, stick it between your legs, put it by your feet. Generally, you put really? it by your feet. Because so my buddy's group, my buddy, there's one college in New Zealand down in the deep south, Otago, uh, which is like an American style college. We okay. have like toga parties and people bro out and it's a little bit fucking rapey and there's some good oh, and there's, wow. some, there's some terrible shit too, right? Right. But it's like the only college in New Zealand that you'll get that party culture. Right. I visited my mates that went down there and I was just like, no, I want to stay in Auckland. I'm, I'm a fucking erudite shithead. So I'm going to fucking stay here. You know? <laughs> anyway, I went down to visit them and fuck yeah, they had a good time. Um, but at the same time, 
they had no, they literally could not or they did not want to afford to heat their their house wow so it's the middle of winter this is the deep south like we fucking like you like like palin can see russia i can see the penguins in antarctica from this motherfucker right and it is like 20 fucking two degrees outside and they have zero heating wow because they're fucking college students and they don't want to pay for it they don't want to pay for the heat so you know what they do for the petrol which i learned for the petrol yeah (laughs) (laughs) not gas Petro, exactly. Petro. So these savages, we, we say you're still fucking muted, motherfucker. I yeah, ain't putting you on blast. Would you chew? You lost your privileges. <laughs> okay, you turn, turn my mic up. Turn my mic up. You sound like Sean now. Turn my mic back on, dog. <laughs> turn my mic. Yo, up. turn my mic back up, dog. So um, it's basically about survival at this point. So yeah, so the, 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 man, I could I could spend an hour just trying to talk about. The 1,000 cultural reasons why cultural references exist in this film. Oh, completely. That's fantastic. You know? And we saw it, and we're Americans. That's fantastic. And we can see all the cultural reasons. But yeah, so, so I mean, we're just talking about that fucking stupid hot water bottle. Right, but right. I mean, I, dude, I mean, I the grew up. Like, in New York, you got heat is free. Heat is free. Heat is fucking free. Comes free. When I learned that. Heat and I couldn't water. believe my I couldn't I I like ex, my mind exploded. Right, right. <laughs> like, I just I was just like. And it's heat. something we take very very much of. Uh, Super for granted. Well, we take it for granted now because for a very long time we could not take it for granted. Mm-hmm. We had really a, a lot of housing issues in New York. Yeah. So now that those have been resolved, you know you can't get squatters out either now. But right. but we it's usually heat and water are free. Mm-hmm. Heat yeah. water's free, and you, you'll pay for like they'll fucking get you on that AC though. Oh, yeah. they'll get you. Yeah. They're they gonna hold well, it's you. Yo, it's Con Ed, Con, dude, Con Ed putting that. Con, Con Ed's Ed, a motherfucker. Con Ed got that fucking that G that G six baby. Oh with yeah. No Cruising lube. coast to coast with no lube. No lube. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, real. They will definitely get you. So so yeah, I mean the the, the hottie thing was interesting because I remember seeing that and thinking like you guys were like why the does he have this like red right. bag and he in kept, his bed he kept holding it i knew it was a hot water bottle because yeah. in america you see we hot use water hot bottles. water yes. bottles and then like long ago as a woman they would tell me use a hot water bottle right. to soothe like menstrual yep. cramps mm-hmm. but oh, okay. that's all we ever used it for mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i think new zealanders are a rustic people. Yes, they are. All right. According to this film. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood. Right. But all of these tropes still entirely apply. Right. To now, me. let me let me and ask you something up. about that. Right. Because you would have to, like we they just we don't have a, we didn't we kind of do now. Right. Yeah, we kind of do now. But like when I was a kid, man, there just really there, there was no billionaire class. Like it was a very right. well. Let me ask you something about that. That's, that's the interesting like it. about it because this this kid was in foster care. Yeah, yeah. So how does it how does it manifest there? Because it was like he was separated from his mom. Like well, we never he really was an know, orphan, pretty right. much. Yeah. We didn't know who his dad was. He was in the foster care system, and he was aging out. That was the whole point that he made, that there was he, no family for him to go he to. He wasn't really point. aging out. I think his behavior was creating a sense of him aging out. Yeah, because okay. there was no place for him to go but 
juvenile hall. Right. And the, the fact that he was going to go to this juvenile prison, basically, because we have juvenile hall. Yeah, juvenile situations and all that. So it's like, what happens to those kids? Yeah. Right. So that was the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the... This is why this is why Taika is for New Zealand cinema. I mean, he is he is the director of, of wow. modern film. He is the that. fucking director, and that hasn't always been the case. It's not okay. like, but what he's done is he's taken like this sort of irreverent Kiwi, like like just fucking get on your horse and fucking keep moving. Crack, right. crack a joke and fuck off. Crack a joke and fuck off. Crack a joke and fuck off. Like, don't take yourself too seriously. Definitely. As soon as you take yourself too seriously, someone is going to shit all over you back home. Because it's like, what do you think? You're American? Right. You know? And when when I go home, and if I sort of behave in a a slightly highly strung, intense manner. Entitled way. Which living in the city has tended tended me to do. That white privilege way. It's even entitled. It's just enti- Americans have a very entitled sense about. Yeah, we do. Even the black ones. I mean, I, oh, I, I, when we I celebrate. Mexico for I the first celebrate time, my black privilege all day. When we went to Mexico, I was like, "This is the first." Remember, I said this to you. Yeah. This is the first time ever in my entire life that I've ever felt privileged. Yeah. Oh, sure, for sure. Because we. What did you feel like was happening? I felt privileged. I felt like I have money. I have all the things they don't. Right, you and have I everything expect, that they do not. I exactly. expect certain a level, rights. A level of fucking treatment. Yes. Treatment and, and service. service. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, this bitch ain't giving this to me. Oh, my God, I'm privileged. Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I fu- I'm fucked up. But that's what I'm saying. And, and it, it, it made me even more so grateful of yeah. who I was. Exactly. And, 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 and knowledgeable. And more aware, really, of mm-hmm. who, of what my privilege was, and I was just tipping motherfuckers like crazy. Right, and, <laughs> and you know, and and for me, I acknowledge black privilege because for me, it speaks to I'm a people of survivors. I'm a okay. people who have who have overcome a whole bunch of stuff. Right. I have lived through the situation of okay, my sharecropping grandparents. Right. Sent their kids to college. Okay. Okay. Not everybody could do that. True. Yeah, true. Not everybody could do that. But they chose to make this choice for their children. Right. And all of my parents and my aunts and uncles reinforced that in us. We already knew because we had W.E.B. Du Bois who said we are the talented 10th. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I lived my life in that realm of thinking that right. I am that person. Right. I don't see myself in the ghetto. I don't see myself downtrodden. I don't see right. myself persecuted as a person because I know where I come from. Right, but you don't until you realize there's someone beneath. I don't want to say But beneath. I'm but it, I don't I don't see there people There is someone who has less than Yes, you, and I understand, and thus, but I understand that there are people that are be, that have less than I do as a person, but I'm still in the place that I am. And I'm going to always move through life in that space. And I'm not going to accept any kind of treatment from anybody else. Trump and all his stupid-ass followers, 
trailer park living motherfuckers because I know I am this person. Right. So I am never going to be, I'm never going to be put in that place where I'm beneath them or anyone else. Right. Because I have been taught by my ancestors that this is who you are and I will never be subjugated by anyone. Right. In this country or anyone else's country. Right. So I I walk through life living in that living space. Living in your privilege. And, and I'm okay with that. And you know what? But I still acknowledge that there are people who are disadvantaged and, and, right. and treated less than. Right. And, and the caravan of all those people who are trying to get here because right. they've been mistreated right. and abused by their culture. Right. I support them because I know what that takes. Right. And so... I understand, and what 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 got well, me about this young kid was right. mm-hmm. in in this role was like like he he is in a situation where he didn't make these circumstances for himself; right. they were put upon him. Mm-hmm. He right. is trying to survive, and the fact that he thought of himself as a gangster, oh. he was trying to lift himself well, up. They put upon him this sort of like image. They were like he spits. I mean, he, right. He sets fires. Right. It was like this tiny he runs away. fire. He runs away. <laughs> That's he listed as a criminal yeah. play. I was like, okay, I was like, spits all right. And he runs you away. said spits twice. I'm like, I'm right. like, this kid is not a bad kid. He doesn't kill anybody. To me, he was he a hero. A, he he was a hero rock, to me. But like his, his, um, we call it ACS in America or BCS, like a Bureau of Child Welfare. Yeah. Right. Uh, at least in New York, I'm sure there's other names, mm-hmm. but like whoever his caseworker was, yeah, was just like he spits. Right. <laughs> I was just it's like crazy. spitting and cursing and graffiti is grounds for the prison. So, so here's but, a, but so, wait a minute, hold on one second, Alex. I have to speak to that a minute. In South Carolina, there were laws in the books. You would get arrested for no, spitting I, on I the street. I get that, but they and what were, I noticed they were here, exaggerating about but, that. But but that's not an exaggeration, really, because. There are laws on the books in certain states where in America, where yeah. if you spit on the street, you could actually be jailed. Yeah. Those states so, haven't upgraded. But, but that's real. <laughs> but know. that's real. Right. So my thing is, and, and you see signs on our transit here, no spitting, no da-da-da. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Right. Because and, and it's a way of separating people. Because I know in other cultures, they don't see any problem with just hawking and spitting anywhere you are. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is the most disgusting thing because I grew up in an environment where you could not spit on the street. Right. Where I see that every day in New York City. But I think in this regard, they were, it was in jest. But but in reality, it's not in jest. Right. They made a point, but actually... In certain places around the world, right. that's a fact. No, but I mean it feels like not in New Zealand. Well, here's no, but here's the thing: is 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 it's not like New Zealand is has has, an, has, has a lack of racism in its history. Oh, of course, by any stretch. And so, you know, even though his caseworker was Maori, she's a Maori actress. Yeah, she was. Um, and he's Maori. I mean, the kid is his name's Julian Dennison. Uh, in the films, he's Ricky Baker, but he's he is a Maori kid, um, and he and and what Taika tries to do is he 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 sort of he does it through comedy, but he really want he wants to point out and he wants to point you know even though New Zealand has had this sort of liberal awakening for the last kind of 
20 years and we right. had a cons- we had a conservative government for for the better part of the last decade however conservative in new zealand is like it's like it's it's hillary clintonism in america oh, so, like, yeah. i'm not shitting you like so the right not, in new zealand yeah. is hillary clinton right right the left is is ocasio cortez okay wow so it's wow. it's the it, it, back home it is the democrats fighting themselves all right, right exactly so you know and, pff, you put a Republican back home and they'll think it's the fucking second coming of fucking of Satan, you know? Right, right, right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't know how to deal with that Because they mentioned shit. something about how New Zealand is about independence. Yeah, so, so exactly. Right. So, 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 but here's the thing is Taika wants to remind people that despite this sort of progressive awakening that New Zealand has had in the last 20 years, right. um, that there is still, you know, Maori and Pacific Island people still represent the worst statistics in society. Okay. All the worst stats. They they dominate prison populations, and there is still, uh, and that is because of white dominance and subjugation of people of that are not white, right? Uh, now, whether the fact that you know we don't have Thanksgiving, there is no day that celebrates a pretend fucking handing over of food between right. natives and Europeans. It didn't fucking happen. Right. We don't have a Fourth of July. There is no day that we celebrate New Zealand becoming an independent nation. There is simply a day of remembrance when we went to war for the better part of 40 years. Wow. Because a treaty was signed and everyone started killing each other for the better part of half a century. Wow. So we don't have those kinds of things. There is no. Now, Australia, they have done a really good job of saying. Yeah, we're not going to acknowledge the fact that we committed genocide for the for the better part of a century. Right. We just have Australia Day and like, fuck yeah, mate, fucking get amongst it, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Right. They have not grappled with any of their race relations shit. Really? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I mean, if I want to throw a little cultural... And, and look, New Zealand does not have a pristine history, right. but at least we're fucking trying. Right. At least right. we're trying, you know? Um. And Taika tries to address those kinds of issues with in, in as lighthearted fashion as possible, right? Um, I mean, even other films that he has, he always focuses on Maori populations uh, where he grew up on the coast. And my mother actually comes from those areas, like in a film he has called Boy, uh, which is all about like young Maori kids on the East Coast. And my, mom, my mother, who is very, very white, she comes from those same neighborhoods. She knows those kids, you know? And those kinds of films, and even this film, really touched her because she's like, "Look, this is this is an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, there are far too many Maori kids and Polynesian kids that don't have parents, that they have been locked up, that they don't right. have the tools to look after their children, so they give them away at a young age. You know, right. and Taika is the only director who can kind of make it socially acceptable to talk about these issues in our culture." Um, yeah, in a way that, that that whether you're white or brown, you know, you can sort of say, like, this is not okay, or, like, that is actually a sad thing to happen. Right. Um, and with all of his films, like I kind of said in the last one, it's like, send a message, have a laugh, you know, and, and that's exactly what this movie does. And, yeah, and, and the Ricky Baker like kid delivers it. that point. Well, he definitely was. But there's so many parallels there, with there was a great American deal society him. too, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it, it just, it, I've already mentioned this, but I totally mm. saw the parallels. So when we were reviewing Thor Ragnarok. Right. And you were explaining to us about Taika. Mm. We were like, oh, okay. 
But we had no frame of reference. Yeah. We never saw a hunt. You now see people. it, right? You see it now. I'd only seen one tour mm-hmm. warriors and a few other flicks. Not like right. not this. This is comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, within the guise of like some more serious concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were like, oh yeah, this is all his humor, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, what does that mean? Right? And now I'm seeing it, yeah, and I'm like. Oh, and all that, that I banter totally between see the banter the now. banter between mm-hmm. Thor and 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 uh, and that guy and, that was helping him yes. in the prison, and mm-hmm. that guy, and also even the Hulk. There were there were moments within right, that film right, right. Where, where it's like, okay, I get it now, and and just right, you see all his banter. Right, there was a richness between the young the young man and like, and Sam Neill. But like the the hilarity is like hilarious and ridiculous Mm -hmm. and like the interaction between them is just just hilarious and fun but real like you could see a lot of it and the hunters remember the hunters with that came upon them there was there was there was there was a whole lot happening there it was a lot happening and it was just like okay this kid they're on the hunt for him but yet there's this whole conversation that they're all having yeah it's like well why don't you just snatch this kid up Take him where he needs to go. Mm-hmm. Collect right. your prize. Yes. No. But there was there was so much happening. But they in were there. really this like not the guys they were pretending to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. These bushmen. They, they were not ready bushmen. for that. They were just um, average. And, dudes. And they were pussies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were, they were average just dudes. average dudes. Just trying. What I wanted to say though, mm. if I could take a moment to say, yeah. take a moment that the opening, and just like moments after it, in the bush were absolutely beautiful. Who knew if you hadn't been to New Zealand, there was so much greenery in your mountains. Yeah. Like, it was just like, I was like, wow, it's just. And it's, they're not even, they're not, I'm not even kidding you. That is not even fucking color correction. It is like, it's actually that color. Beautiful. Well, it is I've actually seen, that I've color. I've seen a little it's bit so over beautiful. the years from and, watching Hercules and, and Spartacus and, and all those films. And wait, wait, what's the other where one? Where you get um, a lot Zena. of that. Zena, yes, but no, Zena, wait, there's definitely. another one. Um, Jackson uses a lot of his stuff. Lord of the Rings. Oh, from Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson. Lord of the Rings definitely tends to focus on the mountains a bit. But yes, yeah. I mean, all the greenery and shit shot mm-hmm. in that yeah. is, is obviously it's all New Zealand. And, and you left beautiful. all that for this vast wasteland of concrete and metal. I'm not a, fuck, I'm not a mountain dude, man. Fuck. <laughs> I got you. I just thought it was amazing. I like the camaraderie between the two, and I thought it was lots of fun. And mm-hmm. I thought they, they touched on some subjects that were like, even when they were like playing with the pervert, that like, oh my God. The mo- He's a molester. Right. <laughs> like, it was so like, great. What? It was so great. <laughs> but it was just like, just the way, the way in which they had their own version of English. Is that New Zealand English or British English? That's New Zealand English. New Zealand English. So we were talking about that before. So it was like things like Petro and Read It Out, mate. And it's yeah. like. I was just like, oh, he sounds like Alex. Like, you know, like, it just yeah, made me feel so much closer to you. Yeah, I'm there were so a lot glad of you picked this for your birthday film because yeah. it is the epitome of what we as Americans can do to get closer to you. Yes. Absolutely. As a New Zealander. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And there's a few other cultural things I wanted to pick up on. So. Sure. There was, I mean, a couple of the slang he used. So obviously, bad egg was yeah. referenced several bad times. Egg. If you that see, that was a chapter. Yep. If you see any Taika films, he always talks about 
Oi, egg, bad egg. You're a bad egg. So, right. and like you're, uh, oi, egg. Like just that's basically just uh, like a kind of a not so insulting insult right, that you'd right, say right. to a friend or even someone that's not your friend. Right. So a bad egg's just a bad kid or a bad yeah. person. But that's like very that common. Sense. So Alex, right? are you a bad egg? Sometimes. 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 I'm a bad motherfucker. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I see your bag egg all day. Um, and then he says um, she tries to coax him across a ditch to get him to come back. The the, the youth worker right. is offering him some scroggin. Right. I know. So that is that. trail mix. That's trail mix. That That's is what I thought. Motherfucking trail mix. And then they show a whole moment where he's like eating at one of the cops. The cop that's with her all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and he's a really he's a really famous comedian, by the way. Is he? Yeah, yeah. There's a Polynesian actor. He's they have he's these amazing awesome. like pan shots. Besides the jump cuts and mm-hmm. all that, yeah, which and, are really good and very and reminiscent, right? And very reminiscent of like uh, Shaun of the Dead, if yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah, seen. Yeah, sure. yeah, totally. It sort of like really condenses time in like mm-hmm. three quick shots. But there was this pan that he did. Which would show like everyone's experience in yeah. these montages. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a Sajin? Hmm? What was the name of it? The trail mix? Sajin? Scroggin. Scroggin. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as he's eating a Scroggin, you would see them chasing him and they yeah. would run. Yeah, because yeah, everything was happening. In it the felt scene. like this weird 360, like yeah, cylindrical, sure. like turn, which I really need to figure out how they shoot that. Yeah. But it, it was really interesting. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's, he's just, so. They shot that film in five weeks on wow. a budget of two and a half mil. Wow. Wow. Five weeks is now, a lot of work. Exactly. And one camera. No. Yep. There wasn't even a second unit. That is That's a lot of work. Oh, my God. A, those are 16 hour, 20 days. That's called filmmaking magic. Yep. And it grossed 25 million. Wow. So but, you you want to, and but, this is the last film he did before Thor, by the I way. I bet you it made so much more after the after a theatrical release. So oh, DVD it, streaming, whatever. I mean, I'm sure it's it it'll it it'll continue awards. to make money. Yeah, right. And no, then it, it, won it won at Sundance. Right, it won at Sundance. And the young boy in it was in 10x. He He 10x that budget. Are you fucking kidding me? He was in Deadpool too. Right, right, right. That's what he mentioned before. Mm. And I think that it's interesting that you know he came from this. To that movie as his breakout because he is the breakout star in this. No, movie. but he, but also like when uh, Taiki, right? Taika. Taika, I'm sorry, forgive me. His uh, the Paula, the social worker. Yeah. Yeah. She was also in Thor. She was. Yeah, yeah she was. Oh, she, she was. was. I remember her now. I remember her now. She was a sidekick for yes. uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, for Goldblum. I remember yeah. her now. I remember. She's yeah. a fan, she's a fucking awesome actress. Her name she, is Rachel in, House. Yeah, she's been yeah. in so much stuff. Man. She's wow. been in a lot of stuff. I, I just like that he had a lot of indigenous people in it. Too. Yep. Even um, Bella, right. who's the, the foster mum. Yeah, her name is Rima Tewiata. Yep, Tewiata. So, so mm, she, nailed you nailed that. it. Stranger, yeah. Tawana, Stranger. <laughs> uh, that, that was incredibly good for me. I was going to, you fucking nailed it. I nailed that one. It's you, Alex. It's, but no, I mean he <laughs> he leans yeah he he works heavily with and this is the cool thing is is um the, I mean the local TV and film industry it right. it really does everything it can to champion local and indigenous talent That's specifically 
and you'll see and it's it's a it's been a hard fucking fought journey it's not like right. anyone's given anyone this kind of fucking right to be on tv right um but you can just see the the massive the amount of talent the indigenous acting talent and it's in the crew not just in the uh, in right. the in I'm the assuming. you know in the cast um, it's it's massive and it's always growing and and that's something that I'm always proud of as a New Zealander um, compared to even our neighbors right. fucking across the ditch as we call them rather than right. the pond um, is we give a fuck man and we try you know right. um, and New Zealand culture as a whole is a lot more cohesive and strong because of these progressive policies you know right. and without politically preaching too much, you know, when I see the resistance to this kind of progressivism in America, I mean, I'm like, but you're fucking wrong. Right. Like, I've lived it. Right. I've seen it. You've like, seen even it. from me as a kid, from when I have memories from fucking 1989, right. 1990, uh, through to now, what I remember, how I remember growing up and the racial divide that existed in the early 90s right. compared to what exists today it's fucking night and day, man. Absolutely. Night and day. I, and in 20 years, you can shift the way a culture views itself mm. and the way that a culture integrates itself with one another. And I just I just wish that I could see more of that. I wish I well, could I see think, more of that. I think that I think, speaks to where we're going to end up. I think Because I think wish. we're going to grow from that where I'm we are hoping. Now. I'm not as certain as Vaughn is. I'm hoping that we, we will grow from that. Mm. And I'm hoping that we will learn from our you know, uh, worldly uh, neighbors and listen. But I think also it's ad- it's administrative. Yeah. And I think once this administrative administration leaves office, uh, there will be a turnaround because I think just far too much has occurred. But I want to thank you because this was an eye-opening experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this was absolutely your episode. If absolutely. you did not know shit about New Zealand before, you got a hell yes, of a lot of yes, information did, did. on this one particular episode. And I, mean, I thank you, Alex, and I, I, I celebrate you 100%. Yes, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday to you. And, Glad we get into know. this. And pro New Zealand. I, I like, want to visit New Zealand. Exactly. Now. I want to go. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and, and once again, that's that's the beauty of the podcast and, and, and yeah. how we explore films and, and have conversations because we can look at, at different kinds of films and different kind of filmmaking styles. And different styles kinds of cultures. And cultures. Because Alex has always been our producer in the cut. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now we've gotten so much more from Yeah, him. exactly. And, you know, and we, learned, think... we learned as much. And like I said, after watching the film, I, I totally get you right. now as a person. Right. And it's, it's, it's cool yeah, in that no, way. I understand so much more. But I mean, if you think you're cool, we'll sign off. What do you yeah, think? You got absolutely. more? What? You, you, you got good? more to say? So, so there was just two more things I okay, wanted to so say. Okay, you got two so just, more just to tighten it up. No, just to tighten it up. Okay. All right. So the, probably the greatest saying in the movie was um, he keeps talking about skucks because he keeps talking yeah. about being gangster and having, uh, being skucks. I'm, I'm with the skuck life chose yeah, he said, me. I didn't choose the skucks life, but the skucks life chose me, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I love that he, I mean, I love that he dresses like a hood rat right, right. and he says hood rat shit his with, dog his, is named with his hood rat friends. I mean, that was this is, this fucking is New Zealand culture. Right. It is a split of the colonial British heritage. I mean, I tell you motherfuckers this all the time. Right, right, it is right. a split of this English colonial heritage we grew up with. Right. Right. It doesn't matter if you're black, white or brown. Right. 
everyone experiences the same thing because we do not, we did not have a billionaire class, at least when I was a kid. Right. Yes, there was poor people, middle class, upper middle class, right. but the strata was limited. Everyone was fucking in it together. There's only four million of us motherfuckers, right? right. And I just loved that, <laughs> that, yeah, he, he talks about the Skuck's life because the like the skunk's life like it, it's that influence it's that american gangster dripping right. fucking two chains floss it's right. flossing it's shit hip-hop it's hip hop it's urban it's 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 us trying to appropriate our experience living in the cities right right with something and american like <laughs> hip hop gangster culture right. just connected with a, a, a set a subset of New Zealand of New Zealand mm-hmm. culture and it's not based on race by the way it's literally based on socioeconomic yeah. it's, it's hip hop yeah it's literally based on socioeconomic fucking 100 scenario so that was always the thing I grew up with is I would see I would see brown kids and white kids just getting into American culture all at the same time and it was yeah. and it's 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 for an American to go there and, and, and see it would be quite amusing. I'm sure. But that is sure. what makes like modern culture. So like him and his obsession with like being a gangster and all yeah. that, all he, that kind of stuff. Like that what? is a total and, product. Of and that. he did it in a way that wasn't about appropriation. It was about acknowledging it and accepting it in his his life experience in a way. Yeah. You know, it, it totally it totally made sense. The dog being named Tupac was just, it was great to me. Yeah. And it totally fit this kid and it, it just, it brought me this laugh. And Tupac is a survivor, yep. if you notice in the film. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, wow, this, I, I just love everything about this film. I just love it. And, and it's yeah. just, I, it's, it was magic. And I want you guys to find it. You know, I, I read it off of Voodoo, but. It's also on Hulu, by yep. the way. It is on Hulu for free, actually. Yeah, it's on Hulu for free. And so if you want to find it, if you want to watch it, I think it's one of those experiences you should have. Check us out next week. Be a bourbon the movie. What, what are we doing next week? We're going to do uh, Bohemian Rhapsody yep. and Overlord. Overlord. So we got another World War II zombie film. This is straight out of a game mode in fucking Call of Duty. So much fun. So I want to see some savage game fans. And we're going to celebrate Freddie Pr- uh What is that? From Queen. Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury all day. And another I one bites with us. We're celebrating Freddie Mercury, but we're kind of celebrating Rami Malik. Absolutely. Rami a- Malik all day. Muslim actor doing his thing. So, from us guys, this is beer, bourbon, and a movie, and we'll see you next week. Next time. Peace.